Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. It is Saturday, which means two, well, three things. It means we're answering your questions. It means we are giving something away. And Chris is here. Which is the we. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing just fine. You know what we're giving away today? We are giving away something from Fatco. Yes. So I sent out an email um, after Thanksgiving about gift gift ideas, and I I shared very honestly that I'm not a um, a gift person. Like I'm I'm my mom always teases me because if she asks like what I want for my birthday or what I want for Christmas, I'll say something like dish towels or something very practical. Like I'm just not a, I'm not a stuff person. Because that's better than me. Yeah, you say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but I can acknowledge like practical things that I want. And I, I said in this email um, that I think there are two types of people. I think there are people who like really love and enjoy giving and receiving gifts. And then there are people who like really don't care at all. And I'm in the really don't care at all category. Also in the really don't care at all. Which is good because, you know, if I was like super, super into it and you weren't, that might, that might be difficult. But I don't enjoy holiday shopping. I honestly don't even really love holiday gifts like in general as a as a thing because for some people, not the people who love it and think it's amazing and I know some of those people, but I think it can quickly turn into an obligation, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, and then it's and then you're getting something that like the person isn't super excited to give you. It was just an, you're another person on their list and they're trying to, you know, get you something without breaking the bank and also not looking like a cheapskate. Anyway. Right. I digress. I sent out this email with my favorite type of gifts to give, which are very inexpensive gifts. <laughs> because n- not so much that I'm cheap, but I probably am But cheap. also. Yeah, right. There's that too. <laughs> but no, like, I just really appreciate being able to give something that people like, not just like garbage, but that also was fairly inexpensive. And one of the things I talked about was the the fat stick from Fatco, which we can question the name all day long. It's sort of an odd name. But think of it as like a taller and wider chapstick looking thing. But it's not exclusively chapstick. They call it like an all-over moisturizer. So I do use it on my lips, but I'll also like use it on my cuticles or I'll use it on areas of my face that are dry or um, areas of my hands that are dry. So I really love it. And I think that it just, for those people on your list that like you're not going to get a big gift for, I think a coffee mug with a fat stick and like either a candle and some matches or some candy, that's just super easy. Anyway, when I sent out that email, I got a lot of questions about it. So that's what we're going to give away today. But if you're like, that sounds convenient. I had reached out to Fatco a couple months ago. I've been using their skincare for 
eons and eons asked if they would give me a discount code for you guys. They said yes, which is one of many reasons why I love them. So you can go to fatco.com, F-A-T-C-O.com. Use the coupon code PRIMAL, P-R-I-M-A-L, all, all caps. caps. Thank you, sir. And you'll save 10%. So I think it's cool. You get two fat sticks for 10 bucks. So, and they last that's, that's forever. Two people. Boom. They last forever. I seriously might go through one every eight to 12 months. Like they last forever for five bucks. So fatco.com, use the coupon code PRIMAL. We're going to give one away today and we'll announce that winner at the end of the show. We got questions. We do have a few questions here and we'll start with question number one. That's, that's not a bad idea, Chris. Yeah, I like to start at the beginning. Okay. How can I dream bigger without a mental leash holding me back and keeping me realistic? Especially when realistic just means confined. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you asked this question because I think that the whole be realistic thing is stupid. I think it is absolutely stupid and we need more people who aren't looking to be realistic. In fact, we need more people who are straight up desiring to be unrealistic because Think about anything big that has ever been done in the world. If the person who did that was living by the be realistic ethos, they never would have gone for it, right? I mean, think about like flying the first plane. If they went by be realistic, they never would have pursued that idea. Or electricity, never ever would have gone for it if they were like, well, let's be realistic. I mean, it's a fire is good enough. You know what I mean? Like, all big things that are done, they they have to be, they have to entertain outside of the realm of realistic. I was just reading about um, the founder of Zappos, and I had read one of his books years ago, but he passed away recently. Super sad story, only 46 years old, house fire, died a week later of his injuries. But anyway, Zappos, as a lot of you guys know, is a online shoe company, and when they first started, it was like, nobody's going to buy shoes online. You're going to want to try on your shoes. And then, okay, if you can get people to try shoes on online, they're never going to do it because the return rate is going to be so much higher and people aren't going to pay for returns. And so the founder of Zappos was like, well, we'll do free returns and exchanges, period. Like, that's just what we'll do. And everyone was like, that's completely unrealistic. You'll lose money on that. And the thing is, he did lose money on that. Every single year, they lost money on that policy, but he considered it a marketing spend. Instead of seeing it as an expense, like, oh, we're losing money on returns, he saw it as a marketing expenditure. People are going to be more willing to say yes because they know that they have the security of free returns. So what the heck does that have to do with, like, dreaming bigger. I think we have to be in the practice of saying what's unrealistic, right? If we're, if when we think, what do I want for my life? What do I want for my finances? What do I want for my family, for my relationship? And the first things that we think of are all realistic, then ask yourself, well, what would be an unrealistic dream, right? One that I had for a long time that felt unrealistic was to exclusively be a writer. Not meaning that I don't podcast, but meaning that like, I don't work individually or collectively with clients that my work time is spent writing and only spent writing. And that felt so unrealistic because 
you know, there's a lot of authors out there, but the people that like really make a quote, good living, they have lots and lots of books. So it felt like this was a very long-term thing. It wasn't realistic to pursue that as a five-year goal or even a two-year goal. But the fact is, I want to think about things that are unrealistic. I want to think about my business and my life and my family being unrealistic. Look, having five or more kids starting when you're 38 is not Se- particularly... Seems a bit unrealistic. It does. But and, we, and, and it's not even like it's unrealistic conv- like because of some fear or some doubt that I have. All my doctors tell me it's unrealistic. Biologically, it's it's Not harder. only that, it bio- because of my age, for sure, but also because our delivery with Dagny was with a C-section, and our second delivery will be inside of 18 months of that. It'll be probably just 12 or 13 months from the first one. So the reality of, of being able to have a VBAC is lower. It's almost unrealistic. They said it's about 50% or less chance that I'll be able to successfully have a VBAC, and you can't necessarily have unlimited numbers of C-sections. There's only so many places they can cut. Well, right, and your risk of uterine rupture. Anyway, all of that to say, my dream for our family a lot of people would call unrealistic. Good. I don't want to play and live within the bounds of, un, of, of what's realistic. Because like this person said, it often just means confined. So I think questions are a really great approach to breaking out of this. How do you dream bigger without that mental leech holding you back and quote, keeping you realistic? Start with those first thoughts that are likely what you think is realistic. And then ask yourself, well, what if it was better than that? What if it was more than that? What if it was bigger than that? And start to get in a very deliberate practice of looking outside the bounds of your first idea. Somebody reached out to me the other day, one of my clients in the 12 Weeks to Transformation, and she's a business owner. And she was sharing with me that she feels like she's working too much and she uh, wants to work less. She was basically saying like, if I could get my kids to school and work out and have my work day be from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., like that would be amazing. And I was like, would it be amazing or does that just feel like a, a good start, good realistic? I mean, if you could work from 10 to 5, well, what if you could get that done between 10 and 3, right? What if you could get that done between 10 and 3, three days a week instead of 10 and 3, five days a week or 10 and five, five days a week or 10 and five, six days a week or working three nights. Your first thought is generally what you think is realistic. And it goes back to, I've said this a million times, something that Chris's uncle said to me. Do you remember when we were here with your uncle Dennis and we hadn't started renovating anything and I was telling him some of my ideas for it and he said, never go with your first good idea. He said, that's a good idea, but never go with your first good idea because the more people you ask, the more you say, well, what would be better than this? Because like when we were working um, on the on the ideas and the plans for our first floor renovation, we were just going to renovate the bathroom where it was. Remember? The plan was just to kind of like gut it, redo it. And he was like, that's, that's a good idea. It needs to be done. But a better idea is if you move it completely onto the other side of the house and you, you know, reroute the plumbing. And even that felt a little unrealistic based on the age of the house and all these different things and the expenses and, you know, what it would take compared to redoing an existing bathroom. Good. Good. Never go with your first good idea. You guys can tell I love that question. I could talk about it all day long, but (laughs) let's move on. Yes. Number two, I have a journaling question. 
when I journal, it's easy to get stuck in a rut of choosing the same goals and drivers to work on every day. When you have a long-term goal, how do you keep it fresh? So I think this is asking two different things. And I'm amazed at how many times I get this question. Like people think that there's something wrong if their goals and objectives and daily drivers are the same day to day. And here's what I have to say about that. I'm more concerned if they're different day to day, right? Because let's say that you have two big goals and I'm making this up. It doesn't matter if you have 22, if you have one, it doesn't matter at all. But let's say that you want to lose 20 pounds and you want to make an additional thousand dollars a month. Okay. If if your action steps for that thing day in and day out is like wildly different, right? Like if one day it's, I want to eat less sugar and the next day it's, I'm going to go for a five mile run and the next day it's, I should drink water. What you're going to lack is consistency. (laughs) You know, you're totally going to be all over the place. And I hear this constantly. Whenever I start a new 12 weeks to transformation group, people are like, I feel like I'm writing the same thing every day in terms of my daily commitments. And I tell them that's good. The problem is we are hardwired for novelty, thanks in large part to media. Every time you open Facebook, it's fresh, it's new, it's different. If you start seeing the same things over and over again, you're kind of annoyed by it, right? You open up Instagram, every single time you drag your finger down, it's fresh, it's new. You don't like that there's reruns of your show that should have a new episode on on Thursday, but this Thursday it's a rerun and you don't like that. So we're always looking for novelty. And what we haven't realized is that that prevents us from creating consistency because when you're writing the same thing in your journal every day that you're going to follow the golden rules of carbs and fat loss and you're not going to eat after dinner or whatever it is, and you're like, but that's the same thing I wrote yesterday. Good. Good. That is a good thing. If your goals and drivers are wildly different day to day, that is a problem. If they're the same day to day, that is a good thing. That means you're creating consistency. Right now, one of my big goals is writing my second book. So every single day, writing for an hour uninterrupted in the morning before I get on email or social media or anything like that, that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with the fact that that's the thing every freaking day for a year. I mean, you can always add something to it. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, to make to make it a little different. But that's, I mean, your consistency is very important in any kind of goal. And honestly, like, I think that's why I said it's two things when you read this question. Because the second part of the question is, when you have a long-term goal, how do you keep it fresh? Add something new. <laughs> but it's But I think it's more your enthusiasm and your excitement versus newness. Because like, let's say we were talking about this in the master's club the other day about um, uh, CrossFit and somebody was talking about, you know, they can do 200 200 air squats, you know, in one, in one set because they've been training CrossFit and, you know, high volume of air squats is fairly common in CrossFit workouts. And if you were like, I want to, I want to really get, good at air squats or I want to get really good at running and you were just adding something new in there all the time because you wanted to scratch that novelty itch, then you wouldn't have consistency. So I think that keeping it fresh is more about focusing on the goal and monitoring your progress than it is about doing something different, right? Monitoring your progress. Are you getting better? One of the things that I pay a lot of attention to in writing is my word count. 
So it doesn't feel fresh to be like, oh my God, here we go again. It's like day 104 of writing for an hour uninterrupted in the morning. That doesn't feel fresh. But what keeps my mindset about it fresh is that 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 next milestone of a word count, you know, so you go from 20,000 words to 25,000 words, and then you get excited about getting to 30,000 words, etc. And I think that that is that is the focus needed for freshness, whether you're talking about a fitness goal or a body goal or a money goal or anything like that. So next question, right. sir. This one's a good one, um, especially considering what we recently watched in The Crown and who that kind of turns you on to. Yeah. Um, which biography books are your favorites? I'm looking for an easy, inspiring book to read before falling asleep. Thanks. <laughs> it's funny that you say that. So to answer the question directly, which biography books are your favorite? Zero. I don't have a favorite biography. Uh, I, I don't even know that I've read a true biography in the last few years, except like Chris said, I just bought a biography of Margaret Thatcher um, after watching The Crown. But I'm just more interested in, do I think that that's going to like become a favorite? I guess it would be easy for it too, because I read a lot of biographies in like elementary school because I had to, I remember reading a biography of Thomas Edison. Um, but I'm, I'm, I have books that are, that are biographies. I've read a biography of Winston Churchill, um, of Abe Lincoln, of Richard Branson, but like, f do I have a favorite biography? No, I don't even have one, so I can't give you more than one. Um, that's just not the kind of book I typically read. Sorry. All right. Makes for a quick question. Very though. quick question. All right, next one. I've never been a morning person. Is it possible to become one? Yes, it is absolutely possible to become one. And I've, I've talked about this before probably a dozen or more times on the show. I used to be a really late sleeper. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with either at some points, low grade depression at some points, you know, more depression. I, I preferred to sleep the day away. That was just my thing. In fact, Chris, you're way more of a morning person now than you ever have been since I've known you. And I blame you completely. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is like, you can absolutely change your your patterns with regards to anything, whether it's waking up in the morning or it's working out and not working out, it's reading, writing, journaling or not. Yes, for sure. You can totally become one. I used to be somebody that would stay up late watching like dumb stuff on television, just mindlessly numbing out, falling asleep, waking up, watching more shows, you know, finally getting to bed late and then sleeping as late as possible really, really struggling to get to work on time. Like that was my reality uh, in my first job out of college. And when I was in college too, like getting to morning classes, I feel like I missed more than I hit for sure. Um, one thing about becoming a morning person is that it's not just about getting up earlier. Though I think the big thing there is stop giving yourself that buffer alarm. So what a lot of people will do is they'll set their alarm knowing that they still have 30 minutes or 40 minutes or an hour until they like actually really, really have to get up. And that's why so many people do things like hit snooze seven times. So remove that buffer. If you know that like for sure you actually have to be out of bed by 7.55 or you're going to be late, then set your alarm for 7.55, not 7, right? Begin that because I think that helps breaking the pattern of hitting snooze a thousand times. But beyond that, even if we're talking about the weekends and there's no time that you have to be out of bed, 
what time you wake up in the morning and how easily you wake up in the morning really starts the night before. So I think where a lot of people focus on morning behavior, trying to get up a little bit earlier, trying to have a morning routine, I think it's a lot more effective to focus on evening behavior. And that is in part getting to bed earlier, but it's also all of these things that fall into the category of sleep hygiene. So not having screens in your room, you know, not having uh, the TV on or a movie on or anything like that that's going to bring light, that's going to bring stimulation. That's a huge part of it. Not having lights in your room, blacking it out fully, blackout curtains. If you have like little lights on electronic devices, cover them with a piece of tape or turn them around so the light doesn't come into the room. Lowering the temperature. The ideal sleeping temperature is between 60 and 70 degrees. And so if you are sleeping in a warmer place, or maybe you're sleeping at 68 or 69 degrees, and you really would do better at 63 or 64 degrees, play around with those kinds of things. Wear blue light blockers in the evening, but I think so much of the the morning pattern starts at night. That's what I think. Hmm. I um I don't really know how I got to do the morning stuff. Like it just I was kinda, it up just kind of happened in the morning. It just kind of happened. I think it happened when you when we moved in together. Well, yeah, you I'm up, you're up. <laughs> I don't feel like I've ever said I'm up you're up but I think just up and moving and lights on and dog around and things to be done yeah oh that's what it is Chris the dog wants to go out <laughs> great you're up yeah but he wants you to take him oh yeah yeah that might, be, that might be a thing all right next question what kind of goal setting or planning do you do do you set monthly, quarterly, yearly goals? And how often do you check in with your goals? Do you feel like we just answered this question? Um, no. Oh, okay. I uh, like... I, it, it's, we, we talked about um, not being, re- you know, getting beyond realistic. No, no, no. Like in a previous episode. I oh, feel like no. we just did this. No, we did not. Um, I, maybe you just read fine. that question. Which is time times. is a great time of year to be talking about goal setting and planning and sort of that sort of thing. Um, Do I set monthly or quarterly or yearly goals? Yes, all of the above. And I'll give you an example. So I know the date by which I want to have book two's manuscript completed, locked in, done, finished. I set that like a year before. So I would call that a yearly goal. But then that means I kind of have a sense of where I want to be quarterly and monthly. So if you have a yearly goal, you also have quarterly and monthly goals. You might not have been specific about them, but you need to, right? If you want to run a marathon a year from now, then you need to break that down into quarterly goals and monthly goals because otherwise what happens is, oh my gosh, I have a year to do this. And daily goals at that point. For for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think the daily, I'm glad you said that because the daily piece of it is the biggest. Even if I say like, okay, I want to have 10,000 words written by the end of this month. Well, on day one of the month, it's like, I got plenty of time. On day six of the month, I've still got plenty of time. On day 10 of the month, I still got plenty of time. And then it's like the last week, your hair is on fire and you either miss the goal or you just didn't do quality work because you left it all towards the end. So I think if you have a yearly goal, you absolutely need to translate that into, well, where do I need to be quarter by quarter to be on track? Where do I need to be within those quarters month by month? And then it becomes a daily action item. So for me, when I say I'm going to write for an hour uninterrupted, that's not so much a goal of the day. It's like, 
a calendar item. It's a meeting with myself. It's a process. Same thing. If you're going to run a marathon a year from now, well, where do you need to be quarter by quarter in your training in order to successfully achieve that goal? And then month by month, what does that need to look like? And then what's the daily action for you to get to where you want to be at the end of the month? How often do I check in with my goals? Every day. Every single day, because again, they have to be translated into daily action items. So I, I love yearly goals. The problem with them, though, is that most people write them down and forget about them, and then maybe they find them in a journal like three years from now, and they're like, well, didn't do any didn't, of that. Didn't do that one. Yeah, so it's not an effective goal in my mind if you're not visiting it daily. That doesn't mean that every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you are going to be taking action on it. Like, for example, if you have a if you have a goal to create a passive income stream that produces a minimum of $5,000 a month within a year from now, well, maybe you decide that you only need to take action on that five or six days a week. That's okay. That's seventh day of the week. Maybe you're not doing anything, but still that five or six days, you absolutely are. So I really think that daily check-ins with goals, whether it's a monthly goal, a weekly goal, a quarterly goal, or a yearly goal, needs to happen. What is it they say? A goal without a plan is a wish? There you go. Yeah. And wish and put wishes in one hand and yeah, yeah, yeah. Dirt, in, dirt in the other and see which one fills up first. Okay. What's the next Clean question? Clean that one up for the children. Yes, you did. Appreciate it. <laughs> because my daughter listens, apparently. That's right. It was funny. <laughs> Chris said the other day, I think I've said this before, but for those of you that don't know, Chris has an 11-year-old daughter. And she just recently started listening to this podcast. Uh, yeah, a few months ago. Yeah, and the other and day. I listens a lot. Yeah, the other day she was like, today's podcast episode was good. She only listens to the Saturday show. She only wants to hear you. She Qu- doesn't listen question to Question number four was great. <laughs> what was the question? I don't remember. What did you like about it? I don't know. Um, thank you. <laughs> but uh, thank you for cleaning that up for, for her sake, because that is one 11-year-old that we do know listens to the show. But um, she did say... Why Why don't you ever, what did she say? Why don't you talk about why, me? Why don't you talk about me? <laughs> so now we've done that. Check. There we go. Next. Okay. Hey, Tana. Check. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next All question? All right, next question. I have bounced around from 190 to 200 for three months. Same. <laughs> Except <laughs> higher. So much higher. <laughs> but no, um, so uh, this person's I've bounced around from 190 to 200 pounds for uh, three months. As soon as I hit the low 190s, I seem to lose my sense of purpose and my focus. I still eat very clean, but begin eating too much. My goal is 170, but it keeps eluding me. What's going on with my stinking thinking? You already told us. The answer is in this question. You lose your sense of purpose and focus. Well, it's not only that. It's that that's the story you're telling yourself, right? If you say, if you tell yourself or anybody else, including me, as soon as I hit the 190s, I lose my sense of purpose and focus. I still eat clean, but I start eating too much. That is an instruction. That is not only descriptive, it is prescriptive. That is the standard you have set. And so guess what? You meet that standard every time. You've got to change it. You've got to change it. You have programmed yourself with the words that are here. As soon as I hit the low 190s, I lose my sense of purpose and focus. I eat clean, but I start eating too much. I believe you. I believe you. I believe you every single time. That is what is going on with your stinking thinking. Now, what I would say is when you hit 190, well, what does it look like today? 
to live, act, behave, choose in a way that's going to get me to 170. Just for today, what does that look like? And then you know what you do the next day? You ask the same freaking questions. What does it look like today? Instead of every time I get to 190, I still eat clean, but I eat too much. I believe you every damn time. When you use a different perspective, a different prompt, a different story, you create a different pattern of behavior. So I'm 191, I'm 192, I'm 193, I'm 189. It doesn't matter what it is. What does it look like today to do what it takes to get me and keep me at 170? Which of those things am I able and willing to do? And you use that question every single day. That's what it looks like to go back to the goals question, to check in with your goals every freaking day. You're not checking in with your goals when you're telling this other story and you're living that way. Yeah. 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 Final question. Final question. How are your views on life now after everything you went through with Chris? What's next for you? So I'm assuming that this person was referring to Dagny. Either that or they think you've gotten rid of me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Still here. You know, it's funny. I I had a boyfriend in college whose name was Chris, and his mother just started following me on um, Instagram like yesterday, and she she on, the only com, the only photo she liked and commented on was our announcement for this pregnancy and she said um congrats to you and Chris and I just kind of was like I wonder if that's weird for her like that I ended up then years many 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 years later marrying Three. somebody named Chris <laughs> yeah I graduated from college a long, long long time ago anyway um so for the new listeners to give a little context to this question um in March we welcomed our first daughter after a healthy pregnancy, and um, two weeks later, she died very unexpectedly, very tragically. And so, yeah, this has been the most challenging year of my life by a long shot. And I think, um, would you say the same for yourself, or in yeah, terms? Yeah, of- I think I think I can agree with that. Because uh, I know our experience since Dagny died has been just our grieving experience and process has been oh, very, very different. Yeah. Very different. Um, how are my views on life after everything we went through? Um, you know, I've talked about this a little bit before, but like I had immediately, but then also in the first couple of months after Dagny died, I had a very strong sense that I wanted a big family and I never really had that before. I think before we had Dagny, before Dagny died, like I think two or three kids would have been good. You know, I never really like put a number on it, but I definitely was not somebody that would have said like, I want a big family. Um, but there are a lot of factors in that and, and I've given it a lot of thought since then. But like one of the things that really changed my view was, um, not only what it feels like to grieve the loss of a child, which, you know, I've lost a parent, I've lost a child. Um, there's just nothing in the world that compares to losing a child. Um, but also going through that during a pandemic and a global quarantine, like it's very isolating. Even I think without that, it's isolating because people don't, no, people don't understand. And a lot of people just don't show up in in any number of ways. And I just had this sense that like I never wanted my kids to feel as alone as I felt. Um, I 
want them to have a built-in rock-solid support system. Um, And I feel like if you don't have family, you really don't have anything. And I think that sense just gets stronger and stronger every day. So that's one of the biggest things that changed. Um, But I mean, there's, there's no way that it can't impact how you think about everything. Um, it, it changed how I thought about work. It certainly accelerated the process of my next book and my clarity on that book and how I want to spend my time working. I mean, I've always been somebody who works a lot. And I think in the last couple of years, I've come a long way in not working as many nights, not working as much on the weekends, that sort of stuff. Um, Chris can attest to that. Yeah, I would agree with that. But even still, I was still working seven days a week, though the weekend days were were shorter. Um, And I don't want that for any number of reasons. I don't want that because I want to have more time for family. I don't want that because I think there's so much to life outside of work. Um, And, you know, the whole reason you start a business is because you have a passion, but also you want to be in control of how things go. And then for myself, and I see this in so many other business owners and so many other employees, then like the work that you do becomes the reason that you can't have the things you want that are the reason that you started in the first place. But it's all by your own design. So I've made a lot of changes to to work. And I recently made the decision to step back from a lot of things. That's why the 12 Weeks to Transformation format um, has changed. And we had our last live session in the fall. And moving on into 2021, it's going to become a self-study course, which will be amazing because it'll make it much more affordable for people. But by making it a self-study, it also allows me to have a lot more time and flexibility. Uh, I haven't had a single day in six plus six and a half years where I wasn't actively working with clients, you know, there was just always that need to be on and connected. And I think that that changed a lot in terms of what's next for me. I think obviously this pregnancy and this new baby, God willing, being healthy, that's a huge thing that's that's next for us. And um, book number... 12 more renovations. <laughs> I know. God, book, book, book number two and three. We're, what number renovation are even we even on right now? Because One, we did the office, two, and then we kind of did the apartment, and then we did the three. downstairs. So is it four? Yeah, I guess yeah. we're on number four. We're wrapping up four, and then we're legit taking a renovation break. Legit. Yes, four months tops. <laughs> no, we're legit taking a renovation yes, break. after baby. Um, But I think the biggest thing professionally is is scaling back on a lot of things, even though it's scary. Like, it means a lot less revenue for me. It means a lot less income. It means a lot of lifestyle changes. Uh, But I really want to just give myself a a little bit more time. And I think that was something that I initially wanted and felt like I needed when Dagny died. But with COVID, with having a big team, with having groups and programs and products already in process, it just didn't feel as feasible then. Um, but the more time that went on, it just felt like something that I wanted to do to really focus on the book. But I also wanted to do to just give myself a little bit of of a breather from the like day to day grind and that sort of stuff. So um, what do you think, Chris? Have your views on life changed in any way since Dagny died? Um, no, nah, it's always kind of maintained the same for me. You've always been more of like a 
moment to moment. It's uh reminds me of a Rosenschantz song from when I was a kid. It just goes through life has its ups and downs and whatnot. I'm not going to sing it because people will be like, what? Like that's ever stopped you? No. But uh, I mean, I've always kind of had, you know, known that, you know, over and under, up and down, there's sunshine, there's thunder. It's, you know, it, there, it, there's gives and takes throughout life. And I just, I, I go with those ebbs and flows. But I would say you didn't necessarily want a big family before Dagny died. And I think you do now. Or is it just that you're okay that I do now? I am. It, it makes sense. Um, the reasoning for having a big family is a good thing. I think if we can beat Dave and Shaylee, that would be hilarious and fun. Of course, his friends have five kids. Yes. Anyway, we will see. But well, yeah. Not competitive, but we're going to beat them. Our, a, <laughs> lot, a lot has changed for, yeah. for me, yeah, for I mean, sure. Th- the way I view life hasn't really changed but i mean life has changed yeah yeah life's changed a lot you know so that's for sure yeah let's give away awesome the fat stick yes we're gonna give away a fat stick to at recovering underscore junk underscore food underscore underscore addict so at recovering junk food addict you are the big winner of a fat co that stick. And all you got to do is email Christopher at primalpotential.com within 60 days. Tell him you're the winner for 835 and we will get that in the mail to you. No matter what country you live in. That is true. That is true. And guys, it's super easy to win. You can win in any one of three ways. Number one, leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's okay if you listen on Spotify, you can win one of the other two ways. You can leave a review of Chasing Cupcakes on Amazon, or you can just post on Facebook or Instagram. Make sure to tag me with an episode that you're listening to, an episode that you're loving, something that you learned from the show. Um, Make sure to tag me so that we see it, and maybe you will win next week. And way 3.5, send Chris money. Or pictures (laughs) of your dogs. All right, everybody, have a great day. I'll chat with you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Primal Potential Podcast, where our goal is not to help you learn. Our goal is to help you change. This is a year of action. Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action in your life today. To learn more about working more closely with me and the Primal Potential team, please visit primalpotential.com forward slash transform.